listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome, Clinton Yates, to ESPN New York Tonight. Hey, Clinton. What's going on? How are y'all doing tonight? I'm doing great, my friend. Good to have you on board. Love your work. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, let's begin. Let, let's get the important stuff out of the way. Okay, a time for change. We won't be defeated. That's brought to you by the undefeated who you do great work as a columnist for and, and other things that you do. But from the writing standpoint, this is going to air tomorrow at 8 p.m. Tell me what we can expect. You're part of this uh, great broadcast. So what I talked about on this particular program was, you know, just sort of what, you know, what the solutions are that we can believe are actually still going to stick to what we'll just call general societal problems, mainly based on racial bias and discrimination in this country, you know, and talked a lot about that. I was on a panel with Chris Fowler, who you all know from college football, as well as tennis coverage over the years on ESPN. And, um, you know, it, it was just, it was an interesting conversation because, you know, for a lot of people, I think people believe that it's like, you got to worry about, Oh, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? How are we going to hold on? Whereas for me, it's kind of like, you know what, enough has already changed for me to believe that we're going to be moving forward uh, in America with at least something to show for what we knew that we did wrong. Lewis Riddick was on that panel as well. Maria Taylor, um, you know, is the one who hosted it. So there's a lot of different things from a lot of different people on The Undefeated, but that's what I did that night. So, you know, please do in. Oh, absolutely. And once again, that's tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. I am, Clinton, um, as optimistic as I think I've been. Uh, in a long time, uh, just watching from the protesters standpoint to see the mixed, uh, array of rainbows of colors, uh, that you've yeah. seen. I think that's a, that's an outstanding, uh, motif of, of a, of a game plan to have change, right? It can't just be one side. Everybody has right. to understand that, okay, now I'm kind of listening to what you've been saying. So, Okay, I, I, I can get with what you're saying and I'll, I'll support you with that. So I think that's the biggest thing that gives me some hope, along with the age of the groups who are protesting, Clinton. That's also good. Right. <laughs> well, to me, it's not just about who's protesting. It's about what's happening in the real world sort of ancillary to that. And, you know, mm-hmm. we can talk about the Minnesota, Minnesota school systems and how important it is for them, in my opinion, to divest themselves of police just because they didn't feel that that was a safe option for them in order to educate. That's one thing that I thought was unbelievable on a non-policy level. You know, they didn't have to change anything. They just made a decision. We don't really want to do this anymore. This isn't how we really choose to operate, which to me is as groundbreaking as anything. But we can say in the sports world, you look yeah. at some of these college football teams, you look at Oklahoma State's team, you look at Mississippi State's team, you look at how Clemson has decided to say things. These kids are like, you know what? I'm going to say something. What's the worst they're going to do? Cut me? You know, we're not playing football anyway. They're running us out there with all these risks, and guys are speaking up, you know. Whether or not you agree with what they're choosing to speak for or whether or not you're in line with what some coach should or should not be able to wear as a T-shirt on vacation or wherever, that's not even the point. The point is is that the large groups of black males and black athletes who are otherwise being, you know, worked for free in college athletics are using their voices to speak up, and that is definitely – because of the moment and that is never a bad thing as far as i'm concerned so ultimately it's good it's nice to see people understand their leverage and their power and their brand and using it yep exactly you know it's about time so to speak. it is now you've got another 
show that's going on. It debuted last Friday, correct, with L. Duncan, The Intersection, yes. social, yep. social Justice in Sports. Tell me about that. So L and I, you know, L from um, Sports Center, Center, and L is, you know, sister from Georgia. She lived in Boston for a while. I'm a brother from D.C., and I'm living in L.A. And so, you know, we're just kind of bringing our experience in the sports journalism world and in America to the ESPN radio airwaves. You know, the undefeated explores the intersection of race, culture, and sports. And so that's our typical wheelhouse in terms of a lot of the projects we do on our website, whether it's writing, whether it's, you know, some of the town halls we do, as you mentioned, whether it's, you know, video projects or music projects or children's books, whatever it may be, we've got different outlets. I happen to write and talk on the radio and on television, you know, and so we're bringing this one to ESPN Radio. We're just going to sort of explore what we feel the conversation going forward is with where we can be. And it's not always going to be about sports. It's going to intersect obviously by the name, but it's just basically going to be what the imprint of the undefeated is in terms of our editorial vision on ESPN radio. And luckily, you know, Elle and I are friends and we both have radio backgrounds. And Shannon Penn's our producer. It should be really fun. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. And the best part about it is it's a conversation, right, Clinton? And that's what you yeah. love to have is conversations because that's how you learn about differences and learn about people. Yeah. I mean, you know, people like to say that, oh, y'all want to talk to black people. That's why you only got black people on there. I mean, well, you know, we black. So that's just what we're going to do. But that doesn't mean that nobody else is invited. I mean, that's really the whole point. If we're all doing, you know, what we're saying we're going to do in terms of listening, well, you don't have to be threatened by us, you know, uh, presenting ourselves the way that we want to be presented, you know, but that that is not necessarily something that is by default um, separational. You know, it's something that we choose to do to invite. So please do come listen. We invite everybody to call and everybody to, you know, interact with us on Twitter. It's not exclusionary. We're just showing who we are so y'all can see and y'all can know. That's the voice of Clinton Yates. He's columnist for the undefeated. He's also around the horn. He's all over ESPN. You're listening to ESPN (laughs) New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Clinton, reading your article today, and obviously we're talking about Bubba Wallace, and since your story was published, which was listed on the undefeated, just for anybody who didn't know, the FBI has determined that Bubba Wallace was not the victim of a hate crime and that no charges will be filed. A poor rope fashion, like a noose, had been on the garage door at Talladega Super Speedway since uh, early as last fall. That's what NASCAR said Tuesday, so we move on from there. But I want to get to your article because it was fascinating because I think – there are so many people whose initial reaction was, see, there you go, rushing the judgment. See, see, nothing happened. See, and there you go. But you, it's, it's, it's that part, but it's the whole idea of what happened when people thought it happened. You know what I'm right. saying, Clinton? That's the thing that, that stuck to me, the, the camaraderie of the drivers and also just what Bubba felt and how his emotion was during that. That, that was a, and the pressure on NASCAR. To wonder if, yeah. you know, did, did, did we really do the right thing about saying this confed, pulling this Confederate flag down? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, look, I, I, I'm as willing to say that, you know, as far as, I don't know, non super political, even though it is kind of political moves around the sports in American society in my life, you know, NASCAR bidding the Confederate flag is about as big a one as I can think of. Huge. Mainly because that is the last bastion of society where people felt comfortable doing that wide open, you know, in a respectable part of the world, so to speak, in terms of the kind of business that they're operating with. So number one, I gave them a lot of credit for that. Number Mm -hmm. two, they took an immediate L with that situation in Talladega with a guy flying a plane with a Confederate flag hanging on it. Never mind all the trucks that were lining up the road. And so honestly, and I mean this on the day, 
that noose news was kind of like, I mean, okay, like that's a singular thing that obviously is inappropriate and heinous if it were to be true, whatever. I'm talking in the context of what we knew then. But mm-hmm. it almost wasn't even the point. The point was, how are you going to be able to control the scenarios that are not on your grounds, that are otherwise viewed as threats to everybody there who might not be in line with that flag and what it represents, not just one particular person. There were two separate things. And so while the noose situation certainly sparked off a lot more interest, it was a whole day of racism in Talladega. Like, understand that, you know, and I love the way that NASCAR came together on this. I thought what the, what the drivers did was really cool and kind of genuine. And after that, when Bubba talked to the crowd and he spoke up and he was said, you know, my mom told me just don't let him break the smile. I mean, that's real stuff. You know, it doesn't matter what happened with the FBI investigation at that point. Those people feel how they feel about who they drive with and what they do. And you have to be able to recognize that. So for all these people that want to celebrate, you know, the fact that it wasn't a hate crime, that's a good thing. That's mm-hmm. the point. And I will credit NASCAR for not acting like they knew everything to begin with and trying to shut down a message. They've been adaptable and they try to realize that they're going to have to do things differently at each step of the way so they can actually grow and not just act like they did what they were doing the whole time, because obviously they didn't. And Clinton, that, to, go, to go follow up on that, that's not easy to do because that's an economic issue, right? Because yeah. you're looking at now with this COVID-19, your numbers have improved. There are people looking at NASCAR that weren't necessarily looking at NASCAR before. So you've got the opportunity right. to add some people. And listen, let, let's be honest. Economics is is a huge is a huge thing that drives sports. It's a business. So when you're taking saying that we're pulling the Confederate flag down, you're pulling money because there's people that's not going to come back. And so are you going to be able to survive that? And can you continue on the road? Are you confident that you made the right decision when you did that? Well, yeah, but I mean, you've got to, I mean, look, you can't look at dropping people who are supporting the Confederate flag as a sunken, I mean, that that's a sunken cost at that point. What NASCAR is trying to do is open up their doors so that people can actually feel like they can do business and operate in what I'll just call polite, if not humane society within mm-hmm. their business environment. You know what I'm saying? And so the question becomes, how do you control that environment even after you've banned it on your own? You know, is it throwing people out for life if they show up with a Confederate flag? Are you somehow going to be patrolling the outsides of your tracks? Are you going to be shooting down planes? Obviously, you're not going to do that. I'm being, you know, sure. exaggerative, but like you get my point here. Like, yeah. it's going to be difficult to police, not just because of the simple controls of the space, but like who you're doing business with. You think everybody at Talladega doesn't know who flew that plane? I'm sure they do. You yep. know what I'm saying? And like, it's not necessarily about punishing NASCAR for these kinds of things at every given go. It's about the decisions they're going to have to make about whether or not they just want to cut off warts or whether they want, they want to pull out and extract real roots that are going to affect not just their money, but their community in terms of who the people are, not just the crazy fans. It's going to be really tough for them to make those decisions. And I applaud them again for being adaptable on the fly, not acting like they know everything because they don't. That's the key here, you know? Clinton, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned how college players are speaking out. And it made me think of Mississippi State's Kylan Hill, who made it clear that either they changed the flag or I won't be representing Mississippi State anymore. Right. Your thoughts on that? You know, in the last, I'll just say, five years, ever since, and I'm going to say his name, Colin Kaepernick decided that he wanted to protest 
against police brutality in the NFL, we've seen a lot of different varieties of people doing things. I mentioned Colin Kaepernick as a starting point just because he's the biggest, but let's not sell short the WNBA. He's obviously been on the forefront of this in a bunch of different ways, and we're seeing this trickle down to the college level as well. And the reason I say that is this. Not all protests are designed with the same goal, same motivation, and nor do they have to be all that intense for everybody, for them to be meaningful in my eyes to them. If this kid doesn't want to play because they're not going to take the flag down, more power to him. Am I expecting everybody to walk out of that room with him? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But look, the bottom line is, is that in this day and age, when people are listening to folk, if you got something to say, it's time to say it. And if this is what he has to say, you don't know how that influences the next kid who may or may not go to Mississippi, or the kids who watch him in the crowd who he takes freshman year English with who say, man, maybe he's right, who listen to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, not every protest means what people think it means, and it's not always going to have the effect that people want. So whenever kids are in this position where they don't have any vulnerable, where they're completely vulnerable and they don't have any leverage, they speak up and they speak truth to power, I have to applaud it because it's brave. And that's not something that typically is allowed for in NCAA college sports, which is kind of the whole problem. Clint, you said something very important there when you said not every uh, not every demonstration or, or every effect is not going to be what you think. Every move, you may be out there on your own, okay? It's about you feeling strong about yourself and, and, and your belief in what you're doing and why you're doing it. Absolutely, and that's where some of these team elements that people talk about in terms of sports and why we do it, why we root. I mean, honestly, if we're going to be that Pollyannish about what we're actually going to like about it when we come back, well, let's at least do it for the right reasons. Let's believe that some of these teams can come together. And even though they don't all find common causes to do every single thing the same way, they can start listening to their individual teammates to learn about the world. Maybe it isn't just all team and know everybody at this point anymore. Maybe that strategy changes. Maybe why it's important is not the same to everybody anymore. And that's okay. You can still play the games. You can still build humans. You can still have all the character traits of being a teammate. You just don't have to be doing it with blinders on to the rest of the world anymore because that's just stupid. And we're all smarter than that in 2020. And clearly it's affecting our ability to stay alive across the globe, whether it be because of our unrest in the streets, our inability to stay healthy because of pandemics. You know, we got to be smarter. That's the only way we're going to do this. That doesn't matter what you look like in America. No question about it. Clinton, how important is it that we maximize this opportunity that we have right now? You know, I was talking with a friend about this the other day. I'm almost 40, and I look like, I feel like this is not my frontline fight anymore, whereas Ferguson sort of was in terms of my generation of life and my generation of career, and I am satisfied with the trickle-down effect that being a part of that has had on this. This looks good to me, you know? These kids know what they're doing. White folks are angry. White folks are upset, and that's not just saying that to be funny, but that means that people are talking to people other than just the folks that they think are harmed. You know, folks are talking to people in their own churches, in their own barbershops, at their own garages, getting to know what they feel about the world so that they can understand either who to move with or who not to move with. You know what I mean? And that's what's important to me, that we're not just out there picking in offenses, getting knocked down with water hoses because we want to, you know what I'm saying, or because we have to. It's a little bit bigger than that. I don't know anybody who's not upset about the state of the world these days, and I know a lot of people. And that, in a weird way, is kind of uplifting. And that, in a weird way, is how you get change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clint Yates from the Undefeated, 
around the horn, numerous platforms on ESPN. He's part of a panel that will be on a time for change presented by the undefeated. We won't be defeated. That's tomorrow at 8 p.m. on ESPN TV. And of course, he and L. Duncan Thursday night at 8 p.m. on ESPN radio, the intersection, social justice and sports. Clinton, keep up the great work. We'll be reading and watching and we invite you to come back and join us again. Much appreciated. Anytime. Stay safe, yo. You too, my friend. Clinton Yates. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.